Welcome to the podcast series on sexual health for seniors with Dr. Sue and Bernie O'Brien. This podcast series is based on conversations with seniors about sexual health, sexual desire, and related matters. In this session, we will be discussing PERI. Welcome, Bernie. Thanks, Dr. Sue. It's a pleasure to be here again. Okay, now just to give a bit of background, this podcast series is based on interviews with older people who had agreed to take part in a research project exploring sexual desire in older age. The project was conducted with approval from the Queensland University of Technology a few years ago. At the time, people who knew that I was researching the topic advised me that older people wouldn't talk to me about sexuality, let alone their own experiences of sexual desire. This podcast series resulted from the many older people who were willing to talk about the issue and who were very generous in sharing their personal experiences and views. You're with Dr. Sue and Bernie, and we're talking about sexual desire in older age. And more specifically in this session, we'll hear Perry's story. Yes, Perry was a neat, self-contained man of slightly less than medium height who was 71 years of age. Perry's narrative began in childhood. He was the eldest of three siblings in a caring two-parent family environment. Perry recognised his sexual orientation from an early age and lived his life accordingly. Although he remembered forming a close friendship with a female neighbour for a time when he was quite young, Perry said that his interest always gravitated towards male company. Throughout his entire life, Perry never shared an intimate moment with a female. In Perry's own words, I was simply living my life the way I felt was natural for me and was quite happy that way. I wasn't interested in girls from school right through my whole life. I believe that being gay is in the genes. You're born that way. Some people are born with completely gay genes, some with heterosexual genes, and some are a bit in the middle somewhere. Nothing is going to change it. Certainly not with psychoanalysis or whatever and needles and shock treatment. I think that's probably part of the problem because a lot of people have that pumped into them that it can be changed. It's all in your mind, sonny boy, but it's not going to get out of his mind. They might try to put it in the back of their mind and that's where they get mental. I accepted it right from the start. I had no problem with it. The only problem I had with it was trying to keep it undercover. Perry moved out of home when he was 21 and became a proficient cook. He loved entertaining visitors, but at times he found living alone quite lonely. He formed his first long-term relationship with an older man during this time. After several years, the relationship had run its course when Perry met his future life partner at one of the well-known gay beats in Brisbane. They were almost the same age by a matter of a few days. When they decided to live together, the relationship went unnoticed because they moved into accommodation where several young people were, were sharing. Some months later, they moved into a rented flat where the true nature of the relationship was much more obvious. The couple later purchased a property together. Wherever they lived, they usually felt accepted as a couple. We just acted like normal people. Neighbours saw the double sheets on the line every week. We just tried to act as ordinary people. They accepted us as two men living together. They want their lifestyle. Okay, go and live their lifestyle. I'm not going to go and tell them how to live their lifestyle. I don't want them to tell me how to live my life. If I want to be that way, that's my business, not theirs. So live with it. Life went on for Perry and his partner in relative harmony until his partner of, by then, 40 years sadly passed away. When I met him, Perry had not long moved to a residential complex in a regional area after losing his partner the previous year. Before his partner died, the couple had purchased a double niche so that they could be together in death. In life, they had done everything together. 
We were accepted by all except two families in one place we lived. One was up the hill a bit from us and they'd stand up on the balcony and throw their empty tinnies straight into our pool and chant, Poofters, poofters. We just planted a fast-growing tree so they couldn't see us then. They didn't like us and we didn't like them, but all the other people around the area accepted us. All the family accepted everything. His family, my family. In fact, his family put on a big combined birthday party for us not long before he died and both families were there. In his grief, Perry had sought to distance himself from his former happy life and had relocated to a distant area. He now lived alone. Perry had started making some efforts to re-establish a social circle in his new location. He was frequenting gay bars and had subscribed to a magazine that advertised lonely people seeking new contacts. He had invited a few of the men he met back to his home. I tried to get in touch with a few of the local people around here, but it's a pretty homophobic area and it was quite difficult. I had a few sexual experiences, not a lot. I went into a sauna every now and then, and in there you can go for it just if I felt that way. I was going out and trying to meet people. I met a young fellow a while back who my partner and I had both known socially, but not well. He saw the funeral notice in the paper. He rang me and kept ringing me and ringing me, make sure that I was okay. We started getting together and formed a little bit of a relationship. Not that I wanted one. We could never live together. We were like chalk and cheese. Then I ran into somebody and apparently he told him that he was just using me. So, Bernie, what do you think of Perry's story thus far? It's kind of sad after losing his partner for 40 years and then trying to re-move in the same social circles and re-establish a relationship. By the way, you might have quite a different perspective on this, mightn't you? (laughs) (laughs) I feel I owe our listeners a little context, Dr. Sue. This problem is not about me at all. And I'm not one of the subjects who you interviewed when you were doing the original research. But I would like our listeners to know that I'm a heterosexual man. I fill into the demographic being discussed here. And I have absolutely no prejudices or any bias toward anybody's sexual orientation, not towards their age or their religion or their uh, race. Or their taste in music, I don't care. (laughs) So to me, Perry was just being used by a lover in the same way as what Betty or Sally could have Mm. been used by Larry or Harry, you know. Mm, mm. To me, it's just a human thing. It's not a gay thing. No, that's right. So that's my disclaimer. Mm -hmm. Now, in answer to your question, what was it again? (laughs) (laughs) What did you think about Perry's story Thus far. It's a human story. Yes. It's a human story. He was fortunate to have had such Mm. a long and loving relationship with another human being. And we do get Mm. extremely upset at the time of their passing. And and Mm. they would have of our passing. And what you've got to do is try to get over it. And he, he tried. Yeah. He was Mm. taking a few chances there, I might say, with Mm. uh, bringing sort of not strangers but people that he didn't know well Mm. closely into his life then. They were pretty much strangers because he went into different bars and would bring various younger men, much younger men they were invariably. Yeah, I was a bit concerned uh, because this was all happening at the time that I was researching. 
okay. about the topic. So he was telling me that so-and-so would be coming back on Friday night with him and I was always concerned for his safety and that kind of thing. Yeah, I think at the essence of it all is loneliness, I think, which, as you said, it doesn't matter what sexual orientation you are. Those sorts of emotions are going to affect all of us in the situation that he was in. And I did think, too, that he was very lucky to have had such a stable long-term relationship. I mean, a heterosexual couple can't always say they have that. No. Nah. What is the current uh, <laughs> make-up rate of divorces in Australia? Yeah, is it 50% hard. or roughly that? I think it is. Yeah. Yes, that's right. All people are not getting married at all. Well, <laughs> yes. that's also true, particularly in the last couple of years. Mm. So let's continue with Perry's story. Perry ended the friendship that was with the young man that he was bringing home who, who felt they were chalk and cheese. He tried to build a new social circle through accessing the internet. He wanted to form a relationship with someone who had not known his deceased partner and with whom he did not need to share his home. Finally, he formed a new relationship with a younger man. Sex became exciting for Perry. There were new experiences. The couple took some risks by occasionally engaging in sexual activity in isolated but public places. Perry's new partner was sexually stimulated by the risk of being discovered engaging in sex in public. Perry's own inhibitions were freed by the exhilaration of the new relationship. The arrangement suited Perry, although he was fully aware that he wasn't the only significant person in his new partner's life. I know he meets up with other men, but I don't mind, really. Sex is quite good for me anyway. I have no need to go anywhere else. In fact, I sometimes have trouble keeping up with his energy, him being a lot younger than me. So, in some ways, him having other partners takes a bit of pressure off me. And, Bernie, again, it's not unlike any other kind of relationship where I think Perry was engaging in this relationship because it was such a new and a world for him after having had that long-term stable relationship. And now he was somebody who presented sex as an exciting new experience for him. <laughs> Under a tree somewhere. <laughs> I think one, uh, one time uh, Perry mentioned that it was in a railway station, Uh-oh. you know, in places like that, trains even, on trains. Yes, they engaged in that. But when you were young, I can remember a lot of couples having sex in cars. Remember the shagging wagons and things like that. <laughs> They're still about, Dr. C. <laughs> Are they? <laughs> so it's not anything that was out of the ordinary, except that he was much older man. I mean, this is unusual for a much older person, I would think. You Although know, I might be, I'm probably being subjective there as well. Maybe, but you and I have discussed this aging situation in previous podcasts. I remember you asked me recently: Do men lose the desire or the ability as they get older? And I remember answering unconditionally: Yes, they do. But guess what? We're all different. I shouldn't generalize like that. I know that desire will become less frequent as mm. a man gets older. I know that that's the truth mm. because of observation and. Uh, discussion with other people. But it doesn't happen at, you know, 72 and a half or anything <laughs> like that. It's different with different people. Yeah. Just as you lose strength mm. and you can't carry a 20 kilogram box of dog food up the stairs or yeah. or just as you lose speed and you can't 
run after the bus if if yeah. the driver looks as if he's not going to wait for you. That's right. We lose all of our facilities and one of them, unfortunately, is sexual desire, even though we probably think it's still there. Yeah, I might have to disagree because I found with my research, and of course that was only a small number of people in the scale of all the people in the world, that all of them, even very elderly people who were not engaging in sex and hadn't engaged in sex for a long time, still had feelings of desire every now and then that were stirred up by In one case, one very elderly lady said when she saw a young body going by, you know, that stirred up feelings for her. But yes, getting back to Perry, I felt that engaging in sex in all these public type places, to me, it comes back to comfort. And I think the (laughs) older you get, the more comfort you need and also the risk of being discovered. And Speak to George Michael about that. (laughs) That's right. Yes. But Perry was a man who was somewhat in control of his life, but was now adjusting to life without his long-term partner. Perry's vision was failing and he needed someone who could become both a lover and a carer. He wanted someone who would share his interests, meet his sexual needs and who would be able to drive him around when his failing sight finally prevented him from driving. Perry could offer quiet, cultured companionship and a certain standard of life in financial terms. In return, he wanted someone to care for him and with whom he could enjoy sex. Perry realised from a young age that he was attracted to males rather than females. He had never had any interest in females. As an older adult, Perry conducted some research into homosexuality. He was a very well-informed man, actually, and he now believed that homosexuality was genetically programmed although he considered that there were varying degrees of homosexuality, ranging from complete homosexuality to bisexuality. And as we know now, there are a whole range of different orientations. Thus, sexual desire for Perry had always been directed towards other men. I recall sexual experimentation as a young boy with male school friends and my first sexual encounter when I was 15 years old. It was then that I realised that there were other people with similar sexual orientation in the world like me. It was not only an enlightening experience for me, it was also sexually charged and wonderful. In terms of my experience of sexual desire, my homosexual encounters fulfilled all of my sexual needs. Although his teens and early adulthood were experienced with several casual sexual partners, when Perry met his future long-term partner, theirs was a relationship of love, devotion and commitment that endured until death drew them apart. As an older adult, I feel very grateful for my early awareness of my own sexual orientation. There was never any confusion for me. Perry was on a clear sexual trajectory throughout his life and he had always felt grounded in his orientation. In contrast, Perry believed that where people were confused about their sexual identity, they were more likely to experience mental health problems. Perry also considered that confusion around sexuality experienced by young people contributed towards the declining solidarity between members of the gay community. Even worse, Perry believed that sexual confusion and ignorance triggered more aggression towards the gay community by homophobic members of society. I feel that the gay community was more supportive of each other in earlier years when homosexuality was undercover. Coming out has brought out more social hostility and coincided with the disastrous problem for the gay community. I remember when the HIV AIDS virus was a new and terrifying reality. Times were very turbulent and frightening then 
Intriguingly, Perry played down this aspect of the gay life in his narrative. There was no mention of gay activism or of the experience of friends lost to AIDS. Perry was silent in this regard, yet he recalled trying to start up social groups in country towns that Perry labelled homophobic. Friendships were an important part of our lives. My partner and I lived a good life, a gay life, lived to the full. We had financial stability, travel, friends, family support, but it all changed when my partner died. I was a mess for quite a while. Perry then turned his back on his former life. He could not easily reconcile life without his beloved partner in familiar surroundings. The loss was immense. In adjusting to his bereavement, Perry sought a clean break. He relocated to unfamiliar territory and sought friendships and sexual experiences among strangers. In his new solitary life, Perry was an aging person who was beginning to experience health problems. Perry knew that soon he would need the practical assistance of a healthy person in his life, but he didn't want a committed relationship. Casual sexual encounters suited Perry at this time in his life. He pursued new experiences and engaged in risky sexual behaviour in his endeavour to find a new sexual partner. He was vulnerable to exploitation. A solid, stable life had suddenly become very uncertain. Perry was now prepared to engage with a partner with whom he enjoyed sexual fulfilment in the knowledge that his new partner had other sexual relationships. Perry also had to confront the realisation that he was slowing down. He had trouble keeping up with the sexual demands of his new younger friend. I'm happy to have a relationship that might meet my future needs, even if the arrangement is more practical than emotional. I'm grateful that my new younger partner has accepted my physical limitations. Acceptance was a concept that featured strongly throughout Perry's narrative. Perry stated that he had accepted his sexual orientation at an early age. He frequently mentioned family who accepted him for who he was. The couple's sexual orientation was just there, always present but never discussed. It was the hush of homosexuality, the sexual silence. Occasionally, the couple experienced neighbourhood abuse, but they realised that the abuse was generated from a minority group. The couple created their own wide social group. Perry felt that losing his long-term partner would only be a temporary separation and that they would eventually be reunited. The afterlife was going to be every bit as gay as this life had been for the couple. Bernie, how would you sum up Perry's story? (laughs) What were the key themes from your perspective? Well, I... Genuinely believe that the word humanity is the key, Dr. Sue. I feel that it's a human story. The uh, sexual preference of the person being interviewed doesn't really come into it. I believe too that if a partnership, a marriage, a relationship of that length and strength ends, and they all do one way or another, And if they end by death, then there's no harm in reaching out for comfort in different ways, in different areas and to different people. There are risks associated with that, not just physical risks, but you can meet people who are going to mess up your mind Mm. as well. Mm. Emotional, yeah. But you tell me, what's the right answer there? Oh, I don't think there is a right answer at all. I think the key themes that stood out for me were grief, loneliness and fear. I felt that he was fearful, fearful of getting old and the limitations. And that's society same for a lot of us. I mean, I myself feel like that. Fearful of my physical future. Here, I've got a shoulder (laughs) that you can cry on. (laughs) So in response to those stresses, I considered that Perry was engaging in risky sexual behaviour to counter those emotions or as a coping mechanism. Perry had been extremely fortunate in having a loving long-term partner and living among family and friends 
who was supportive of their partnership. But now he was out there in the world alone to some degree. That's how I saw him, I suppose, trying to forge a new life. But perhaps the grief, loneliness and fear were directing Perry towards unwise decisions. As a researcher, I found it a struggle to remain objective and to avoid sliding into a counselling role. It would be very easy to have done that, I think. I was unable to give my opinion for what it was worth on the dangers involved in seeking out casual partners in perhaps dodgy venues and bringing them into his home. I was fearful for what could happen to Perry, but it was not my place to voice those fears to him. I had to remain impartial and objective. Well, Dr Sue, I firmly believe that you did exactly the right thing. You were there for a completely different reason. Yeah. And the gentleman really seems to have been pretty much in control of what he was doing. And I think from what you've described him here as, he would be sensible enough to uh, Mm. not make too many mistakes. Now, he was certainly a very well-educated person. Who rules the head or the heart at any moment in time? (laughs) It's that battle, that combat Just like betting on your favourite football team. (laughs) That's right. You've been listening to Dr. Sue and Bernie O'Brien. And we've been talking about sexual desire in older age. The focus this week was on Perry's story. We'll continue with our series on sexual health for seniors in our next podcast.